Hungry Trilobite Podcast would like to start by acknowledging SoonerCon. Get ready for the next chapter in Oklahoma's longest-running fan-run pop culture convention. SoonerCon will be returning in 2024, June 21st through 23rd. Get ready for a weekend of cosplay, fun and excitement, vendors, gaming, and more. You can go to SoonerCon.com for more information. Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. There are a lot of reasons I might invite somebody onto this show today. I like to have a broad range of discussion, but the person we're going to meet today is uniquely qualified to talk about the smart aspects, the good decisions you have to make if you're going to be involved creatively in any sort of project. Whether that be as an amateur or as a full-fledged guild member, you need to be able to make smart decisions. And Rachel Alexandra, better known as I Love Kim Possible a lot, is a very, very smart lady in that regard. Let's get started right now. On tap today, I have Rachel Alexandra, better known to her followers as I Love Kim Possible a lot. How are you doing? Hi, how are you? I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm just, um, you know, relaxing from... Um kind of uh, being a boss a girl boss is a little bit hard sometimes there's a lot of steps but you know it's the the end of the day is always nice because i can just chill and read my um read books or whatever the case be catch up on commissions or whatever so so what are you girl bossing right now um so i don't i, I have no idea like i know like uh for people who um are not familiar we talked a little bit at this con that we just did uh mm -hmm. like uh, fan expo chicago so i know this is generally a star trek podcast but that is all of my knowledge base <laughs> so um you know hi hi trekkies i guess i don't know what they're called <laughs> anyway um but anyway um i i run my own production team it's non-profit so that can be tricky just from a motivation slash you know getting to the core of why people want to volunteer kind of thing so um you know it it it's helpful for me because it weeds out a lot of the toxic mindsets as far as, you know, why people want to volunteer and I'm a girl on the internet. So that's even a whole other like can of worms. But, um, so that, and then, you know, I'm right now the, because we're a little bit behind with content, um, I've been mostly working on my, uh, my fan server on discord. So we do, we now have activities every night, and then we have multiple activities on the weekend, including movies, so uh, all for free. So uh, just as a way for people that are interested in the content in one way or the other can meet other people and maybe go to cons online and kind of hopefully make some friends that aren't just, you know, consuming the content, essentially. So that's kind of my main goal with that. And um, that's been generally it. I have, um, I got um, contracted for my first... Um, uh, comic book slash illustration job so that's fun cool um and then which i don't know if i'm allowed to talk about that any more than that but uh it's that's 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 my first professional work as an artist so that's exciting um that's not just commissions and then i have another um i have some commission or one commission i'm working on and that's my life right now up, up to this moment of this recording so <laughs> Well, I mean, as far as this audience of this show goes, just in the last several episodes, we had a writer from Spider-Man, a look at the writer's strike from the perspective of some of the people involved in one of those shows, won't name the exact show, and a person who had published a book on dad jokes. So you're very much in good company here. <laughs> oh, 
Okay, yeah, I'm um, also happy to talk about the writer strike as someone who's definitely not in the industry. Um, thank God, because it's... I never thought I'd say thank God, because that's my main goal, is to break into the industry and uh, be a showrunner, but, like, it's not really a, a good time for that right now. So I'm just kind of vibing and waiting for whatever happens to happen, because I got no, no stakes in that game right now, so... Mm-hmm. Well, you and I might be kind of in the same boat there, in that we're not technically in any of the guilds. However, some of the things we're doing rely on people who are in that guild being a bit more free than they are right now so we're sitting and waiting correct Uh uh-huh i mean there are things i could be doing right now that i am not and i really don't want to say more than that (laughs) so but that's unfortunate but i think it's for a good i mean we need to have these discussions had oh yeah they should have been had a long time ago I definitely am for the strikes, just to put it out there. I, you mm-hmm. know, especially with AI as an artist and like I, I wear a lot of hats. But for the people playing at home, um, I'm a YouTuber. Um, I'm a, I guess I'm a, my own personality on the YouTube channel. Um, I kind of am labeled as a comedian. Like my, my um, videos are art slash like character analysis or movie analysis. And then we make our own animations, and then I draw and animate on the side um, for commissions on my, for my own stuff. So I do a lot. So, um, yeah, from an artist's perspective, I understand, especially with the rise of AI from a artist-slash-voice-actor perspective, like, that's... The art should belong to the humans at the end of the day, and I just don't think, without getting too much into it... Um, the the high up executives really understand that you know the industry in general has always been very um you know i don't even have know how to like approach this to a general person but the general gist is like you take what you get and that isn't really healthy um at the end of the day and i'm glad we're having these um these conversations sooner rather than later um also at the end of the day so i'm glad you brought that up uh, because i'm looking through your youtube channel right here on my screen here and i love what you do. I, I really do. I mean, <laughs> here, here's the thing that just strikes me is that I'm looking at this and you have a mishmash of like My Little Pony and Disney and your commentary and somebody who doesn't know their ass from a hole in the ground could easily look at this and say, well, this is the kind of thing AI could do beautifully. You don't need a human for this. And you're exactly the reason you do need a human for this. Your oh, channel... Yeah. Your channel is a great statement to how creative you can get when you just start playing with stuff. Yeah, as well as um, just general collaboration. Like, I wouldn't be able to reach the feats on the channel without, you know, the collaboration of wonderful other people that are um, talented in me in other different ways. Um, At the end of the day, I'm a writer and a voice artist for the channel and then director and stuff like that. I'll occasionally do some storyboards or something if I want to visually explain what's going on. Like, the, like I let people have creative control, but at the end of the day, it's it's usually my call one way or the other. But having an animation background and just watching a lot of cartoons before I got started getting more comfortable with digital art um, has been very helpful um, with the the move to YouTube. And the you know the move to YouTube was never really um, something I thought of when I was younger. I always wanted to write this show or do this show that I have in my head for like since forever but you know it's a good it's a fun set way and it's good that you know i'm in like-minded company as far as you know people that either grew up with my little pony um i've been doing this for 10 years so at this point people come up to me and they're like oh yeah i watched you when i was a child and i'm like how old are you now and they say i'm like 17 and i'm just like you're still a child so mm. you know i was just freshman year of college i started and i just kind of never stopped even though there's been high high and low points essentially but yeah mm-hmm. 
And so you can see that this came from a strong, strong love of animation and cartoons. <laughs> yeah, I, I try. Um, it's mostly, we, we focus more on, like, Disney in general cartoons right now. Um, for those who are unfamiliar with the um, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic and the Brony scene, um, the, show, um, the, the show ended in 2019. They're on The Next Generation, which I don't really keep up with anymore. So I will occasionally talk about My Little Pony on my podcast or make a stray pony video every once in a while. But for the most part, uh, we are making content based on other things. So I try not to isolate people that it came for that. But at the end of the day, you know, um, the fandom, if that's what you want to call it, yeah, the fandom um, kind of has dwindled down a little bit, which is fine. And I'm happy to go to pony cons and all that stuff. Happy to still, like, I'm not embarrassed about it. But, you know, that's just not where the where my focus is right now so and see that's an example of something i've mentioned a couple of times for people who are into some of the bigger sci-fi franchises for example where they're having new content constantly come out and people will say well i that's just not my thing and i get angry about it and i say there's no harm in saying this latest installment isn't something i need to follow right now Mm -hmm. That doesn't need to be me. I can move on to something else. I can do something else. I can explore something else. And that's what you're doing. Right. And then, um, again, for those who aren't familiar with my history, uh, my motivation for making content uh, started with the character of Discord from My Little Pony. Um, and he's not really in the next, the new generation. He's in the comic books um, for an arc in there. But um, that's really it. And so I, you know, there's not really, like, and so I was interested in him and then all the lore kind of came um, um, with that and so there was still a brony fandom that was starting when I started making content but it didn't pe reach its peak around it reached its peak in around 2015 and I started around I started in 2013 so that's kind of I was able to ride the peak which was fun so nice you know it's always nice when you can make the trends work for you instead of against you yeah yeah I didn't you know plan that but you know it, it worked out nicely as far as my growth as a content creator so and you feel very comfortable stepping into the role of commentator and looking at just giving your two cents on several uh, uh, several projects out there, like your Disney princesses, for example. Uh, and I think that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I've studied media. I feel comfortable as a writer. I've been writing for myself and my content for a very long time. There's, um, you know, narrative stories that I've written for, for the content, which, you know, um, I always write you know, my own material for the most part. The only thing that is not me is sometimes edit jokes that are added in post by other editors that I approve. But it's it's my voice. I'm just a little bit exaggerated in the videos, essentially. It's, you know, the pony is very me. I have a Kim Possible cutie mark for the pony, which, um, you know, so it's uh, it's it's pretty pretty much a, a alternate universe version of me, essentially, just a little bit exaggerated, so. I had the chance to talked to Adam West at a con many, many years ago when Family Guy was like really hitting its peak in my mind. Uh, we, we could argue as to where the peak was, but by, <laughs> same thing with the Simpsons, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Everybody's got their own point, but it, it, this was my personal peak. And I wanted to ask him what it was like to basically play himself on camera because that's what he does, but he's not really himself. And, and this is kind of what you're getting at is you're playing you but a very highly focused and very exaggerated version of yourself mm -hmm. um yeah i've i've never um i've never unfortunately been able to meet adam west but i imagined the same kind of thing especially adam west was so you know ingrained 
like embedded into popular culture at that point. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um. So it's I'm sure he kind of. It seemed to me as an outsider looking in that he just had fun and was vibing. And, you know, that's at the end of the day, that's all you can ask. As long as he's comfortable with it and has a good, you know, he's comfortable with the writing team in case there's something that he doesn't feel comfortable with. And, you know, I all God bless, you know, as long as everyone's happy with it. Yeah. And that, that's what it kind of came down to is that he he was self-aware enough to be able to see when maybe his normal self was just a little odd and he could make it a lot odd. Mm hmm. And um, he did something similar with uh, the Fairly Odd Parents. He was uh, Catman in there, so which was a parody of Batman. And then, uh, like for a lot of the the, the sorry the cart the Cartoon Network Hanna Barbera kind of things, I know he was himself in Johnny Bar- Bravo. He was in an episode of Kim Possible, which was a spoof on the Batman Beyond premise. So like I think he's kind of been known for playing himself or parodies of his Batman um, persona for a while at that point as well. So sure. And I mean, he's done other stuff. You can reach out to other projects he's done, not, especially when, you know, Batman wasn't necessarily a big property at the time when he got a chance to kind of stretch his wings a little bit. And it was it was good to see that, too. Yeah, his, his bat wings. <laughs> <laughs> Pun definitely intended. But yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> uh, I, I can definitely appreciate the, the creative struggles you're going through there and, and being able to, to make your own internet persona. How do you feel... I mean, you're, you've got a successful YouTube career at this point. I think we can definitely say you're somebody who has put in your time and done well for yourself. Is that fair? Yeah, I, I appreciate you saying. I've um, had the humbleness beaten out of me by um, bad things that have happened throughout my YouTube campaign or career. But for the most part, I'm pretty happy. And at the end of the day, I'm my own boss. Mm-hmm. So even though we don't make a profit, I can still use it to reach out to others and go to conventions and have opportunities professionally. And, you know, that stuff is like an extra nice thing to do um, and have. And, you know, um, from my understanding, a lot of the other people in that scene are not really as active anymore, just in the online space in general. So it's nice to be the one who or one of the ones who is still kind of chugging along, even if it's not specifically My Little Pony content. So Sure. Well, I mean, I'm looking at this and I'm saying you've got a, a channel with a huge following. You consistently put out stuff. You've been doing stuff for a while. You, you fans seem to love it. I mean, that to me is what I'm calling success. I'm not so worried about seeing your books. That's between you and someone else. But I mean, the fact that you got this and you built it with your, your own two hands is really cool. Oh, yeah, I, I appreciate it. Again, um, all, all credit to the wonderful staff I've had over the years who have helped me, you know, who've dealt with me and my like hyper-focused creative vision at times. <laughs> So you're saying you, you mentioned uh, doing a Discord server and have a lot of events and a good community on there. What made you choose Discord? Um, as just a, as a general um, platform, it's very um, user friendly and it's something that's well known in um, the general communities I'm in. But at the end of the day, it's easily accessible. It um, doesn't eat up as much bandwidth as Skype because I was on Skype for a little bit or not for a little bit, for like half of the career because Discord wasn't around. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's good for, as far as the team stuff, international stuff, um, you know, because if it's on Skype, then you have to worry about, again, the bandwidth. And so there's technical reasons at the end of the day, but it's also uh, very user-friendly, accessible for people who maybe are disabled or in some kind of um, situation like that. And, um, you know, again, so yeah, all those all those points. User-friendly, nice AI, nice... May start over. User friendly, um, and then technically, you know, um, low on data and of that nature. 
I asked because with this this current situation with Twitter right now. Oh, people, yeah, yeah. That's a hot mess. <laughs> yeah. People are looking for options, and I just want to bring up any options that are out there. Oh, just, right, right. Yeah, um, I guess um, Discord's more about, like, connecting with others than, like, having a following. Like, I probably won't leave Twitter unless I have to because I'm, I'm going to call it Twitter. I'm not going to call it X. Like, no, no, nobody, yeah, nobody no is. one is. No one is. So, um, you know, I have backup places in case Twitter goes down and that's, but that's where I'm most active as far as just general, um, you know, social media sites that aren't just my YouTube and, you know, I have a Tumblr. I have a, I, I don't really have an Instagram that got hacked. So, um, yeah, I have, like, DeviantArt, which is a place people can post fan art, but I don't really use it that often, so... Um, yeah, Discord's good, but it's mostly for connecting with others. It's not just for announcements and things like that, unless you already have a community and a following that um, is pre-established, is, would be my general recommendation. Uh, yeah, that, that's a good way to put it, for sure. And you had mentioned in, in a very recent video that you were thinking it was toxic, so I was kind of curious to see what... Oh, um, as far as that, um, people can, based on their read, you know, the bad thing about just reading Texas tone is can be mismatched, especially for people on the spectrum. And sometimes people will jump with whatever interpretation of the text that there is. I mean, that's always been a problem throughout the history of, you know, fiction or even nonfiction. But Twitter specifically, um, like, you know, if I post something, people, if they think I'm a bad person, they'll have the worst read about, like, oh, she's just doing that for selfish reasons. And they will take that that interpretation and run with it and say, how dare you? So um, that's kind of where that toxicity can come from. But at the end of the day, that's up to each individual to, you know, take a minute and be like, okay, so this is what I am interpreting they are saying, but at the end of the day, is this also what they are saying? So, um, and not just jump on their first conclusion. So it can be, um, you know, I wouldn't recommend anyone, you know, 13 or under be on Twitter because of that reason. So it, it, it can be messy sometimes for sure. For sure. And that was originally why people started pushing for the use of em what they called emoticons back in the early days of the internet, though the web in the mm. mid nineties. And that became emojis later on. We kind of made it a little more graphical, but the kind of set was if you need to specify whether you are angry or happy or sad, th these are ways you can physically show this mm. on a screen. And that th there wasn't just always about being cute. It was like, sometimes it's a way of making sure that your tone is set. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. That was a little bit before my time, so, but I believe you. <laughs> yeah, and you were just saying that something was like, you feel old, and yeah, you're making me feel old now. It's okay, though. <laughs> as long as you're comfortable with it. <laughs> I'm, I'm very, very. Okay, cool. There's, cool. A, there's a reason our mascot is a literal fossil. <laughs> very fair, very fair, but, um... Yeah, uh, it's Twitter, but Twitter can be fun, but, you know, just approach with caution would be my general um, advice for people who are still on there for whatever reason, so. Yeah, really any place on the internet you want to go with some, with your eyes wide open. Right, especially, and that happens with content too, like sometimes um, I will purposely folk, poke fun of myself a lot throughout the content and people won't really read that, they'll think like, I've had people assume that other that others have written my scripts for me without any evidence or anything based just on their interpretation of the content. 
as a way to, um, you know, dismiss me or my opinions or, you know, dismiss, like, my critical thinking skills or whatever. And it's just, you know, that stuff is, um, you know, can be toxic too. Like, every YouTuber knows that there might be a bad comment or you suck, you know, but at the end of the day, that's more about the individual than it is the content creator for the most part. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had a... Uh there have been a couple of episodes we did on people who have done scam consoles in the gaming community, basically, you know, trying to raise Kickstarter money for something that never ends up getting produced. Mm-hmm. And uh, without getting too much into the the weeds on that, I, I've seen a lot of people who would take that and say, well, the people trying to expose them are, are bad because, you know, they don't like the scammers. Like, well, that, you're not supposed to like scammers. You don't, right. that's, the, that's not actually an opinion you have to have. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Kickstarter is like, like Kickstarter and Indiegogo, those things are always a little bit sketchy because at the end of the day, I keep on saying at the end of the day, but anyway, um, if if someone's never run a project before, a successful project, then just doing a Kickstarter is a way to basically pay for it without the, the experience to justify you making the project. So mm-hmm. it's a great resource, but you have to have the experience in order to make sure that your backers feel secure. Because also, if they don't feel secure or you don't have a way to keep on updating them, then um, their your project might not be done, or someone can just run with the money, and you know that's a huge risk um, to your credibility. And you know, it's I wouldn't, I would never do a Kickstarter unless everything was pretty much set at that point before I even launched it. So, and that was something you and I talked a lot about at Fan Expo Chicago is the fact that so many people really get into the idea of making something like a, a YouTube channel or a fan film or an animated short of some kind and they grossly misunderstand, you know, underestimate whether the time, the money, the talent, whatever mix they're going to have, how much they have at their disposal mm-hmm. and, and things go bad. And even that's okay. I mean, you can, you can just you can fail at something. I encourage you to fail at something. Just try and fail. But when there's somebody else's money involved, it's a different situation. Correct. Correct. So I always tell people if they've never had any experience, just to, just to try to start small and to start, you know, editing with a free program and just kind of start, you know, practicing something more than writing or voice acting. Because not that I'm dismissing those things, but if you can produce your own content, even very simple contract like content, like a comic dub, and, and you have a like a portfolio of comic dubs, then that's something and something is better than nothing, you know, as far as video content. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that goes back to the internet literacy we were talking about before. Like, just like you can't necessarily trust all the information out there. You don't always know the context of somebody's communication. You can't trust that just because something looks professional, that it is professional. Correct. Correct. Because anyone has access to the internet and I'm glad the internet has challenged the industry as much as it has and kind of, worked coincide with the industry because I think it's like, like making fan content is a great creative outlet. It's a healthy creative outlet, but you know, you can't expect to make money and you also will hope that the, um, the people that own the IP are like receptive of your fan content. Like I think, you know, I know in general, um, CBS isn't really keen on, you know, Star Trek fan productions. I, um, I don't know if that's changed in the last five years or so, but compared to Hasbro and My Little Pony stuff, um, Hasbro's always been, you know, unless it's very black and white, it looks like it's official when it's not, then Hasbro just kind of leaves the, um, the My Little Pony fan content alone, so, which I think is in their best interest, for sure. The fan production stuff from Trek is an evolving situation, 
Um, there was a time that the gates were wide open and they really didn't care. And that was abused by certain people who will not be named. <laughs> and, and so there are rules that need to be followed now. And within those rules, you can still pretty much do whatever you want. But the rules are very much there and you do not want to step outside them. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, um, you know, Star Trek is a huge, you know, moneymaker for CBS. So I wouldn't I don't blame them, but it can be tricky because... At the end of the day, like, My Little Pony is content that is not for adults, and then, um, you know, and the adults are the ones who have the money, so, you know, kids making My Little Pony fan content doesn't really hurt anyone, but, you know, I can imagine big track productions kind of getting messy sometimes. There's probably something to the fact that a lot of the fan content made for My Little Pony or any Hasbro product is there's a good chance it's going to be made by kids. Mm Mm-hmm. And you don't necessarily want to come down on kids doing free advertising for your products. Correct, correct. And even the the adults like I was who made fan content, you know, and now um, analyzing the show, that's, again, still free advertisement at the end of the day, you know, so. But for every one of you, there's probably 30 kids under 10 doing something similar. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially outside the internet, like maybe they're doing something at school where they're putting on a My Little Pony theme play or something cute, you know, like mm-hmm. that stuff doesn't hurt anyone. It's just a way for people to express their passion for the IP, which I, you know, I think is great and healthy. And, you know, it's a good way to get your creativity going in, a, in your own, like a, a zone that you still feel comfortable in. Because, you know, making your own IP is much different than playing around with someone else's. So, mm-hmm. And it's nice to have the... the the structure already there the characters the world building sometimes even the physical props can be available if, if it's an established ip mm-hmm. so you have a lot of things at your disposal you can jump start it and then you just have to have the good story which yeah. is the hard part yeah and um especially too you can find um if you do fan projects in general um i find you can find community people that are also passionate about the same thing and they are willing to help out a little bit more or easily compared to a, um, a an original IP because they're already invested in the thing that you're making fan content for versus, you know, you have to do a pitch and, you know, they might not be into it. And it's it's kind of, um, you know, it's it's got a great, greater risk of something happening or, you know, whatever. So, uh, yeah, as far as pitching, it's a lot easier if as long as it's nonprofit. Like, be careful if you start monetizing your fan projects, guys. It's, it could be very messy. <laughs> But there is that, you know, unicorn situation where you can have a fan project that gets legitimized by them actually buying it. That does happen. It's a non-zero situation. Oh, yeah. Um, and that is the best possible case, I think, for everyone involved. But, you know, the good... the. I say the good thing about the industry in general is it vets itself because people have to, you know, pay to get into the guilds. And, you know, you only really get that opportunity if you've done a you've done a presentable job being professional in another outlet. So, um, you know, which I think is um, great because when you don't have that, you get people that come out of the woodworks doing fan projects that you're not really familiar with their background and there could be some um, toxic at best and um, or toxic at worst, very, very toxic people at worst that, you know, like they're, you know, I've been in tons of situations where people are exposed for past behavior thank god it's happening in hollywood now but um especially in the fan community and it's just like oh wow you know no one knew that this person did something to someone else and it's good that we know that but at the end of the day oh oof like it's not the same as the industry where hopefully that stuff is a little bit more 
you know, vetted than just people who have access to an internet connection, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. It does make sense. And, you know, you mentioned that whole almost predatory situation. The, I, yeah, I'm glad that those people are getting pulled up to the service for sure. Um, I, I was thinking, especially with, it seems like comic illustrators and comic artists, there's a very not direct path, but a, a much smaller path for them to say, you know, I'm really good at drawing this superhero and I can, I'm going to get really, really good at this. And occasionally one of the big comics can reach down to them and say, would you like a side gig making trading card for us? Mm-hmm. Or, hey, we have a one shot. Would you like to do a cover? I have seen people in my group of friends who get that invite and it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a nice way. I mean, because people are so passionate about that IP that they're doing that in their free time anyway. So it's nice that um, industries or whatever companies will reach out and give that person the opportunity. But at the end of the day, that's a risk. And it's sometimes that's a scary risk if people, um, you know, maybe don't have a good rapport working in a um, collaborative um, effort or, you know, environment in general. So I've seen I've seen the high pros and the high cons, both sides. Mm-hmm. Any words of caution you could offer on that front? Um, well, for, for us, I guess on the team, we just kind of vet people. We just kind of look at, I mean, corporations do this too, but we look at their, we try to look at their YouTube. We try to look at their, um, but wherever they're coming from, their Facebook, their Twitter, and just kind of see what they're saying and notice if there's anything that, you know, I really want a girlfriend. That's a huge red flag. You know, why would you be advertising that to, um, Mm -hmm. You know, like in a way that's just like, why won't girls like me? You know, so like in a way that's almost kind of uh, venting. And that's not really appropriate to be putting on your social media, essentially. That's like for between you and a therapist that I hope you have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's nothing wrong with wanting a partner to, to reiterate. But, you know, just being d- just demanding it because you don't have one. And putting that on social media is not really appropriate, especially if you want professional work from that social media or that kind of that that avatar. And the bad thing about the Internet is if you get called out, um, you know, then you can just make a new account and a different name and hope that no one catches on. But usually if usually the people who do that are not very smart and people usually catch on based on past behavior or birth day that gets left in there that you forget about, you know, or people forget about. So it's um. It's again. It's not like the industry where you have your they have people have their full names and they just get blacklist, blacklisted. You have to kind of do a little extra legwork sometimes if um, to notice those things, which is unfortunate. But that's kind of the way of the game. Sure, and people forget that social media is social first. It is yeah, and there's not really a way to secure that. It's by definition something that the whole planet will get access to. So really, don't put something there if you don't want it there. Yeah, yeah. You know, especially if you're looking for pro- professional work and you're not just there on your own just for funsies, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and keep in mind, like I said, anything could be looked over by somebody who's considering working with you. Yeah, and um, I've had um, voice actors on my own podcast um, called Animation Communication, if people want to look it up. Uh, communication spelled with a K, get it, get it, impossible. Anyway, um, so I've had voice actors on that before, um, and they say they give experiences about a voice actor going into a booth and having a negative experience and then going on Twitter saying, oh man, this director, I, or this thing was really annoying. Like, casting directors will see that, you know, and they'll be like, nope, you know, you're done, you're not, you know, so, like, 
people aren't as dumb as, you know, as you think sometimes. So just be careful. Just, you know, the, the industry is for good people because with great power becomes or comes great responsibility. And if you don't think you can wield that power responsibly, then you probably shouldn't be in the industry, period. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, there's a lot of trust built into this. And I'm not even at this point, I don't even have to make the distinction between comics movies tv video games i mean really they all kind of have the same basic premise of you work with people you've come to trust mm-hmm. people who know when to keep their mouth shut people who know how to act in public people who will show up on time and do what they say they're going to do the stuff that will get you far is a stuff that is very very basic yeah yeah and that's it's a collaboration at the end of the day and if you want to be in the industry then you need practice collaborating and having your social skills and it's okay if the social skills aren't there but that doesn't mean you don't get to not practice them if you want to be in a industry of other creative people that you have to work with and have a report with because like you know it's like people think i'm um dumb all the time because i'm just a dumb girl and they read some bad take on me and they're just like oh she'll never know about this and i'm just like I saw you coming a mile away, yo. Like, I'm not dumb. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, you're incredibly smart and you've got a great stage presence. Um, I, I know this because I got to mess around with you a little bit at the, the Fan Expo there asking some questions. <laughs> and I, there, there was one particular point when I, I deliberately asked a silly question about My Little Pony and you looked at me and said, you must be new, which was just very, very silly. And I yeah, liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, because, like, at this point, there's a lot of people that come to these events where I do, like, you know, at Fan Expo, I did a, a, a panel about fan projects, and I did a panel about YouTube, and I did, like, a panel about art, or I think I was drawing while I was also answering questions. I was multitasking, because, mm-hmm. hey, yo, that's what I do. So, um, there's a lot of people that don't even know me from my pony work, my, my little pony background. So, um, I have to kind of explain what a brony is, and who Discord is as a character, and that's fine, um, you know, but it's just kind of entertaining, because that was... The majority of my stage presence, my online persona, like that was my what my brand was based around for like the majority of the time of me making YouTube. So it's just kind of funny that I'm still around when other people, when other people are coming that are new that don't even know or don't e- haven't looked at the backlog even yet. So it's a uh, it's a fun um, contradiction. So I want to make sure that we get a chance to talk about where you can be found and where people can look at your next few adventures there. So where can people follow your adventures on the web? Um, so I don't have a, um, I haven't had time to, to, to make a website and all that stuff yet. That will be down the line. Um, so, uh, the basic thing is my YouTube is I love Kim Possible Lot, um, at YouTube, whatever. You just put in I love Kim Possible Lot on the pink banner. It's kind of hard to miss. Um, you know, there's plenty of backlog there if you're new. And even if, um, you're not into My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, then, um, you know, people, I've been told that people still enjoy those videos, even if they're not from that demographic based on um you know the, the comedy that are that is present in them so if you're interested or you're open give those a chance if not there's plenty of um videos about kim possible the show or disney properties we just did a video about um like two videos about ariel um because jody benson was at fan expo and i got to monitor panel and i was very happy about that um and then discord my discord server is um probably i'm probably most active in there as well as um twitter if you still use twitter i guess or whatever um but uh at the end of the day my um on my youtube channel there's a my link tree and that has all my stuff and then if you like podcasts i have like i mentioned earlier i have animation communication with a k 
Um, and that's on YouTube as its own separate thing, as well as on um, whatever your podcast preference. So um, Spotify and iTunes and, you know, uh, whatever there is. So okay. Everything you just mentioned is going to be on my website, AaronBossig.com. Oh, I and the show notes. <laughs> yep. We're going to give people a direct path right to you. Do you have any plans for cons in the very near future? I have not been booked for any cons lately, but it's kind of been on the back burner with all of the, the project delays. So we're working on convention, a new convention press um, packet kit, as well as um, other assets. So um, not anything right now, but, um, you know, that stuff will probably be announced on my social media when it gets announced. So hopefully I'll get a booking in the next, like, month or two, depending on who, you know how it is, who ends up biting. <laughs> Uh, if you get something, give me a shout. Maybe we'll get the same table together. <laughs> yeah, I, I can definitely do that. All right. Thanks so much for being here. I would be glad to have you back anytime. Okay, yeah. Thanks for having me. I had a fun time. I would like to thank Rachel for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. Being creative is a journey, both in terms of the practical stuff and in how you grow as an artist. And if you're struggling on this, let me know how. I would like to know what your pain points are, what your struggles are, what you just can't get your head around, because that might be the topic of my next show. Reach out to me at bossigpodcast at yahoo.com or seek me out on social media. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Blue Sky at Aaron Bossig. Please subscribe to this show so you can keep tabs on these conversations. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, even though Stitcher's not really here anymore, Spotify. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.